morning, my friends. I am so happy to be with you this morning. Rafe, thank you so much for your incredible songwriting. And thank you to our band. You'll notice that we're wearing pink today, all of us on our team, in honor of breast cancer awareness and our own Laurel, who serves um, in our band and who is going through uh, breast cancer treatments right now. That's why we're all in pink. Um, my name is Kay Eck. I'm so happy, like I said, to be with you this morning. I'm so happy to speak today on the word hope. We're finishing up our ser sermon series called Greater Than, that God is greater than us. And today we're talking about hope is greater than despair. And before we get started, I want to share a testimony with you from four of our students who serves here as interns. They were here all summer serving as interns. And I want you to hear what they have to say about hope and despair. Would you turn your attention to the screen? I think we get a little bit clouded and we get too overwhelmed with despair and we're not able to think of anything else but despair. I think I was really young, so everything was just okay for me. We all thought like, oh, when we come here, it's gonna be like perfect. We have everything. And then coming here is, you know, it's really hard, the bills, everything. And my mom, she's a single mom, so. Sometimes there are times in which you think that you're not good enough. There's times in which you think that you can't do it. So going on numerous mission trips has really just opened my eyes and I've been able to see how the hope after we complete our mission is just incredible and outweighs the despair that we've previously seen in their lives. Looking back on the mission trip, the hope is what I keep looking back to and the despair is a distant memory. We find God in those little things that we can do to um, bring hope in despair. So my family here really help, helps me with like prayers and advices and they always, one thing they always tell me is to never give up and to always have hope and I know that one day I'm gonna be able to just, you know, help my mom through everything. Sometimes you find yourself in situations and in times in which you think, I can never get to that light at the end of the tunnel, I can never find myself there one day. But think to God, think to Christ, think to Jesus, because one day, you, eventually, you'll make it. Amazing, right? These um, students are not our hope for tomorrow. They are our leaders of our church today, and we're so thankful for them. Haven reminded us that despair can be all-consuming. It can be overwhelming. And Miska talked about coming here from Africa and the difficulties that her family has faced. And Ryan talked about finding the hope of Christ on a mission trip. And then Butoy at the end, who the students call Preacher Man, um, because he is so talented in, in speaking, um, he reminded us that we have to think to God, think to Christ, remember the hope of Christ. So I need to tell y'all that my very favorite word is hope. I don't know if any of you have thought about what your favorite word is, but I've put a lot of thought into this, and my very favorite word is hope. Now, hope is not a wish that we make when we blow out our candles on our birthday cake. Hope is not just this longing or desire for something that you want. What hope is, how we're defining hope this morning, is that hope is certainty. Hope is certainty that comes from knowing Jesus Christ as Lord. 
Y'all, I love this word so much that several years ago, I decided that I wanted to get a tattoo of the word hope on my finger right here where you wear your wedding band as a reminder that my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I was so excited about this, but, you know, I want to make smart decisions in my life. So I took a Sharpie marker, and for six months, I wrote the word hope on my finger. For six months, and I loved it. So I said, okay, now is the time. So I grabbed my friend Amy, who's actually the pastor down at Christ Foundry, the church that we partner with down the road. And we braved Lower Greenville in the middle of the afternoon, and I walked into this tattoo shop, and I said, I want a tattoo. You know, here come these two pastor girls. I want a tattoo right here on my finger that says hope. And the guy said, no, I'm not doing that. What? It's the middle of the afternoon. I'm totally sober. I have written this on my hand for six months. I know that I want it. And long story short, he said, this side of your hand is not good for tattoos. Somebody could have told me that earlier. Um, But what having the word hope written on my finger for six months did for me was really ground me in what it means that Jesus is certainty, that Jesus is the hope for the world, that Jesus is my hope, that Jesus is the hope for us collectively. So when I started writing the word hope on my finger, it was in a time when I was in great despair. I don't know if you have been there before, but I'm guessing you have. Due to some various events in my life, I felt like my whole world had gone dark. I felt like I walked around like a zombie for at least a year. I couldn't function well. I tried really hard to connect with God. I tried really hard to remember who God is. But my heart was destroyed, and I couldn't find a new vision for my life. I started asking questions like, why? God, why? Why could you, how could you, why could you let this happen to me? Why? Where are you? Have you forsaken me? Have you ever felt that way? I would bet that somebody walked in the room this morning feeling the exact same way. Don't worry, you don't have to raise your hand or come forward. But I'm also willing to bet that most of you have felt that way in some point in your life. The word despair, it means, literally, it means to lose all hope. It means the complete loss, the complete absence of hope. It means to lose confidence. It means to lose certainty. Perhaps for you that happened when you received a diagnosis that you never expected. Or when your parents got divorced. Or when you got divorced. Perhaps you found out a secret about somebody who you loved and it hurt you deeply. Perhaps you lost someone close to you unexpectedly. Perhaps it's the loss of a job, the questioning of your identity. You might despair over the poverty and disease and lack of clean water that's found all throughout our world today. A whole host of issues in our world might cause you despair. It might be the loss of a child or the desire to have a child. It might be the loss of believing that God has a partner for you. You might find yourself in despair when you turn on the news. You might find yourself in despair when we hear about Senate votes and hurricane destruction. It might be coming to the U.S. from Africa, or it might be assimilating into a place that you have never known. It might be raising your kids all alone. It might be trying to pay your bills. It might be failing at something, not being accepted for who you are. We could go on and on 
and on, but I think we get the picture. As Haven said, hope can be all-consuming. Hope is the loss, the complete, despair is the complete loss of hope, the complete loss of hope. So what does God speak into that place in our lives when we feel like we're in despair? We're going to take a look at one verse today. It's from Romans 15, 13. Just a little bit of background about Romans. It was written by Paul in about 57 AD, and Paul was writing from a city called Corinth. He never even went to Rome. He didn't have a relationship with the Roman church. He didn't find the Roman church there. But what he did is he wrote this letter to the Romans, and it's not addressing specific problems that the Romans have. Instead, it's laying out his theology of the gospel, lays out his theology of the good news of who Jesus is. And so today we're going to take a look at Romans 15, verse 13. It says this, May the God of all hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with power by the Holy Spirit. Let's read it one more time. May the God of all hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with power by the power of the Holy Spirit. This verse is about finding hope in our lives. And remember when we say hope, we're not talking about a wish or a desire. We're talking about the certainty of Jesus. And I think there's a correlation here between being filled and overflowing. The words so that in our scripture are really important. They say we are filled so that we overflow. It's really just simple science, right? If I have a water glass and a pitcher full of water and I fill the glass up, when the glass can't contain the water anymore, it overflows. The same thing becomes true in our life. When we are filled with the hope of knowing the resurrected Jesus Christ, it overflows out of us. We can't contain it. It just spills out. It looks a little bit like this. I'm going to attempt to draw this. Let's see. Okay. When we don't know Jesus... We're over here, our lives are just going along, but something happens, and we meet the resurrected Christ, and we end up on the top of this mountain. There's this mountaintop experience that, that we have, and sometimes these are times in our lives where we are just completely filled with God. When we know hope, we know the certainty of who Jesus is, life is good. This happens for our students a lot at church camp. It happens a lot of times on mission trips. It happens... Um, for all of us at various times in our lives where we are just on the mountain, everything is good. But what happens then when our mountaintop experience starts to change? When we're not on the mountain anymore, we, we start going down a little bit. We find ourselves right here. I think really two things, two or three things can happen. The first is that we just go straight to denial mode. We deny that anything bad is happening to us, and we just stay up here, and we focus on the rainbows and unicorns in our lives, and we don't worry about what's going on. We're, we're just in straight denial. I'm, I'm good at it. I bet a lot of you are good at it, too. Another thing that can happen is when something changes in our relationship with God or something ex that we experience in our lives happens, we can just make a decision to just completely walk away from God, go right back to the beginning. God, you were not faithful to me. I don't believe that you are good. I'm, you know, forget this. Some of us have been in that place too. But what happens 
when we don't lose our faith, we don't deny what's going on, but things just keep getting worse. And you find yourself right here in the valley. Have you ever been in that place? This is the place where we experience despair. This is the place where your heart aches, you're confused, you've lost certainty when you're in the valley. This is the place where what we see with our eyes, the situations, the circumstances that are going on around us, they don't match what we know to be true about who Jesus is. How do, how do we reconcile that? The psalmist, he reminds us of what this looks like in Psalm 43, verse 5. It says, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you so disturbed within me? What, what is God, why? Where are you? Why are you downcast? And then the psalmist brings us back to hope. He says, But put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior, and my God, he brings us right back to hope too. If we go back to Romans, our verse 15, 13, we'll see that this gives us some insight as to what we're supposed to do when we're right here in the valley. It says, may the God of all hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we know there's a correlation there between being filled and overflowing. But I think the second point here is that Romans tells us that we have to trust in God. We have to trust in God. And when it's hard to trust, there's a trick. We can trust God when we remember. We're here. We remember. We remember the goodness and faithfulness of God. We cannot forget to remember Wait, did I say that right? We, can, we cannot forget to, that we have to remember the goodness and the faithfulness of God and then to respond with great love in return. Sometimes when we're in this valley, all there is to do is to remember, to call to mind. We remember God's promises to Abraham. We remember God's call on Moses' life. We remember God bringing the Israelites up out of captivity. We remember God providing manna for them in the desert. We remember God's provision to Ruth. We remember God's forgiveness of David. We remember God's goodness and faithfulness to Esther. We remember God breathing life into dry bones in Ezekiel. We remember, we call to mind the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We remember the healing miracles of Jesus. We remember who Jesus is. We remember that we are loved. We remember Emmanuel, that God is with us. Even if it's hard for our hearts to feel it, our mind can know it. Our mind can remember the truth. Hebrews 10.23 says it this way, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. When we're here, when nothing is changing about our situation, we have to remember we have to call to mind what God has done. And when we're in the valley, we remember, and then we embrace who it is that God is. It's here in the valley that we have to believe that God is still good even when our circumstances aren't. This is the place where we look at bad news, we look at the terrible stuff, we look at our environment that's just falling apart, we look at ourselves and our lives, 
right here in this place. And we declare, God is good no matter what. We declare it with everything inside of our being. God is good. God is good. So I got married to Robbie, my husband Robbie, when I was 35 years old. I started praying for Robbie, my future husband, when I was 18. And the wait sucked. I mean, it was horrible. I, I went to the place of despair. I was like, I filled up journal after journal with, you know, God, this is what I want in a future husband. Here are some ideas of who that could be. None of that worked out. God had something different in mind for me. But I got to this place where I started asking questions like, God, you know, I've given my whole life to serve you. My greatest desire and longing is for a husband, a partner to do this life, this ministry with. Like, come on, where are you? I found myself right here. Will I be alone forever? Like, do I not deserve it? Like, all of those questions that some of us have asked. And one day I was reading in the scriptures and came to Daniel chapter 3. And it's about some characters who you probably know. King Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon. And there were these three guys who worked for him. And their names were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And King Nebuchadnezzar, he put out this decree that everybody was to bow down and worship him. So they would ring this bell, they would make all this music, and everybody in the whole place was supposed to bow down and worship Nebuchadnezzar. And Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, they were Jews who worshipped the one true God, the God who we know and call on. And they said to the king, they said, fine, um, you say that you want us to worship you, we will not. We will not bow down. And you know what Nebuchadnezzar did? He said, okay, I'm throwing you into the fiery furnace to your death. And they said, okay, let it be. They said, we will not worship you, Nebuchadnezzar. We will worship the one true God. And we believe, we believe with everything in us that God can save us. We believe it. But the best part is that then they said, but even if he doesn't, but even if God doesn't save us, he is still worthy to be praised. Throw us in the fiery furnace. God can save us. But even if he doesn't, he is good and faithful and worthy to be praised. In my own life, I had to get to a place where I could say honestly, God, I know I know that you can provide a spouse for me, but even if you don't, you are still worthy to be praised. And honestly, it wasn't until I got to that place of complete surrender and who I know who God is, it wasn't long after that that I met Robbie. It's in this place of despair where we truly get to know God, where we truly get to praise God. On the mountaintop, I enjoy God. Life is good. Like we said, unicorns and rainbows, all is fine. But oftentimes when I'm up here, I get to a place where I don't really need God. Everything is great. Why, what do I need God for? But it's in the valleys, it's in the places of despair where we long for God, where we cry out for God. It's here where we get to know the faithfulness and goodness of God. If we look back to our scripture for the day, Romans 15, 13 says... May the God of hope 
fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit is important for us here because we are not alone in this journey. When we're here in the valley, we are not alone. Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit to be present with us, to comfort, to guide, to direct us. Wherever you are, you are not alone. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel chapter 3, they were thrown into the fiery furnace. And these crowds gathered around to watch them all burn to death. And they looked in and they saw in the furnace that there was a fourth person in there who was dressed all in white. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they weren't consumed. Somebody was with them. I believe it was Jesus who was right there with them, protecting, protecting them. I believe God himself was there in that furnace. And it's the same for us. If you're in the furnace now, if you've been in the furnace, when you're in the furnace, you are not alone. When we can remember and embrace trusting in who God is, when we call on the Holy Spirit, when we are filled with hope, it leads us to joy and peace. That's what Romans 15 told us. May we be filled with all joy and peace. It's hard to find joy in the valley. It's hard. We can find joy and peace when we know the faithfulness and the goodness of God, even in the valley. And this is what happens. James chapter 1 says it this way. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of any kind. Because you know that the testing of your faith leads to perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you might be mature and complete, lacking nothing. It's here when we endure, even if our situation doesn't change, it's in the endurance that we become mature. See, I know God better in this place than I did in this place. There's something that happens when we go through a valley, when we experience despair, it can lead us to greater maturity, to greater faith in Christ. God is with us in the mountaintops and the valleys of our lives, and we can face them when we know the hope that is found in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. This is what John Wesley calls the work of sanctifying grace. When we come to know God, then that starts our journey of sanctification. Sanctification means that I want to become more and more and more like Jesus in the ways that I live my life, the ways that I love God, the ways that I love others. I don't want to stay right here. I don't know about you. I, I want to grow. I want to mature. And it's been through the valleys. It's been through the questions. It's been through the despair, the hard times, that I can call on who I remember, who I know Jesus is, and it leads to greater maturity. This, this is such good news. It's such good news. I want to know joy and peace. I know God is with me in the valley. And because of God's promises, we are stronger. We have the hope of Christ. So where do you find yourself this morning? Perhaps you came in the room and you don't really know who God is. We want to invite you to find hope in Jesus Christ. Or you came in the room and everything is great. 
Or you came in the room and you're just in a place of despair. Or maybe you're somewhere in between. Can you claim God's goodness in the midst of the storm? We saw some literal storms this week, didn't we? It won't stop raining. On Tuesday, uh, we got a call that the, our boys' school um, had to close early due to flooding. So I went to pick them up, and all the way there, it rained and rained and rained and rained and rained, so just like it did yesterday. The sky was completely dark. Um, the water levels were rising. Uh, it, it was a storm. And later that night, we were driving to dinner, and I started taking pictures out the window. Robbie was driving. Don't worry. I don't usually take pictures when I'm driving. Usually. Um, <laughs> And he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, look at that. This is a tangible representation of who God is because the skies were completely dark. The skies were completely dark. But right above this like level of clouds, there was this light just bursting through, barely, just coming up. And it was beautiful. That is what hope and despair looks like. There's always light. God always brings light to darkness. And so for us uh, this week, my family, we had a rough week. I found myself on Thursday night just crying on Robbie's shoulder because there were, some, there were some things that happened that were just hard. But what we could do in that space is remember and embrace who God is. Because God, this is what I want for my life and my family. But even if you don't, we are going to praise you because you are good, because you are faithful. Despair can be consuming if we let it. It's easy to find around us. But can you imagine what would happen if we walked out of this place claiming the hope of Christ, filled to overflowing with the love of Jesus? As you trust God, as you know God's presence with you, as you know that you're not alone, as you're filled with joy and peace, that makes you different. That hope, it flows out of you. And other people can see it and they say, "What? everything is crazy in your life, but you're so filled with joy. What is that? That's when we share, I know the good news of Jesus. Let me tell you about him. So may you go from this place knowing the hope of Christ and being filled with the hope of Christ to be the hope of Christ in a world that's filled with despair. Amen.